0: Now, if you've seen pictures or video from Monday's bombings in Boston, and sadly, who hasn't, you've probably seen that bystanders and first responders used crude tourniquets to staunch the bleeding of some victims. It's a simple age-old medical intervention that's seen a resurgence in use on the battlefield in recent years. But for much of the 20th century, the
1: tourniquet was out of favor. Here's the world's Alex Galifant. The modern tourniquet is a simple but sophisticated device.
0: These, these tourniquets uh, come very small. They actually take up a space probably about five inches by two inches.
1: That's Jim Sedaris, a nurse and emergency medic in South Dakota.
0: And what it is, is it's a long piece of Velcro about an inch and a half wide. And you put this around the uh, extremity, preferably as, as low as you can to the injury. And then you secure it down with this Velcro. And then there's a small windlass, which almost looks like a pencil. And it will tighten up this Velcro strap around the extremity, and then the bleeding will actually stop.
1: The tourniquet has a long history. There's evidence that, long ago, people used rudimentary tourniquets to treat snake bites. Then, as the understanding of human veins and arteries developed, the tourniquet became common in the treatment of battlefield injuries. But over the last century, the tourniquet fell out of favor.
2: The people that write the books are the surgeons.
1: John Craig is a tourniquet specialist at the U.S. Army Institute for Surgical Research in Texas. He's an orthopedic surgeon himself, but he says during the two world wars, it was surgeons far from the battlefield, in London for example, who decried the tourniquet as the instrument of the devil.
2: They saw the complications in survivors.
1: The surgeons of the day sometimes attributed problems to tourniquets being applied for days at a stretch, the time it took for an injured soldier to be transported home. What they didn't see were those soldiers who bled to death without a tourniquet before they could get to a doctor. In any case, the reputation of tourniquets was tarnished for generations.
2: That held until Baghdad. It held until Baghdad. And the main thing was the uh, there was an absence of evidence in that there was not a large case of numbers. You know, somebody saw one or two or six, and they made their opinions based on that. They didn't see hundreds.
1: John Craig did. In 2005, he was based in the emergency room of the U.S. Combat Support Hospital in Baghdad.
2: It was a very uh, big and busy uh, trauma center.
1: The data on tourniquets started to pile up.
2: Over basically six months, we had 232 or something like that. And we had cases that needed them and didn't get them and they died. And everybody that got them did pretty good and they had a survival rate that was in the high 80s.
1: Now every member of the U.S. Army that's deployed, Craig says, is issued with a tourniquet.
2: Not just the medics, everybody is trained to use them.
1: Eight years on from 2005, the state of tourniquet knowledge is even further along. There's a variety of devices and extensive literature on timing, placement and appropriate pressure. And in cities across the U.S., including Boston, there are doctors, nurses and first responders with battlefield experience from Iraq and Afghanistan. They know how to use tourniquets. As for the rest of us, well, we can fashion improvised tourniquets. News accounts suggest that some bystanders did that in Boston on Monday, helping the injured. Sometimes even a makeshift tourniquet is better than nothing. Still, says South Dakota medic Jim Sedaris.
0: The most important thing for a person to use is
1: their phone to call 911. Don't waste time, he advises. Get help. For The World, I'm Alex Galifant.
0: We've got a video of emergency medic Jim Sedaris demonstrating two types of tourniquets. It's at theworld.org.